Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel, and my guest today is Chris Bailey, the president of Win State Sports Consulting. Chris was a lot of fun to talk to. We get to talk a lot about his background as well as his current consulting gig and company now. He worked at CAA. He worked at Genesco Sports, so two re- relatively well-known companies, especially up here in the Northeast. Um, Chris has an extensive background. He's done so many cool things, and I'm very grateful I had the opportunity to chat with him and what he's kind of building now. So I'm really grateful. Uh, again, he, uh, he he gave me some of his time during this quarantine, and uh, we got to chat a little bit. So enjoy this conversation with Chris Bailey. Cool. Today we have Chris Bailey, president of Win State Sports Consulting, formerly of CAA, Creative Arts, Creative Artists Agency, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know how I blanked on that one for a second. Also as Genesco Sports, appreciate you hanging out with me today, Chris. Thanks for having me, Michael. This is so much fun. Pleasure is all mine. We even haven't gotten to the fun yet. Don't worry. I'm going to start oh. grilling you about non-athletic beer. I promise you that. Non-athletic, non-alcoholic beer. Uh, but until then, we uh, we got to go over your story a little bit because I think it's a pretty cool one. So first question I have for everybody, man, is why do you love sports so much? You know, I've listened. I've obviously listened to your podcast, so I know that that, that question pops up, and I feel like the uh, the cliche or the real answer is I love sports just like any other guy or anybody other person loves sports. You know, I mean, I was athletic or I'd like to pretend that I was athletic growing up and participating. Um, but you know, being the age that I am and working in sports now, I think the reason I fall back onto it now is more the, more the essence of the, the game, if you will, like the spirit of the competition and the fairness and the equality that it all brings together. I mean, sport is just one of those amazing things that exists in our world that can unite or bring people together. And uh, there's just so few things that I think exist to be able to do that. Um, and I love being able to work in that field and be able mm-hmm. to harness that power and that uh, that excitement. I mean, yep. I think we're dealing with uh, it actually kind of the opposite of with it, with it right now. You know, you take it away and everybody loses their minds a little mm-hmm. bit of just not being able to watch those live sports. And the thing I was saying to my wife the other day actually is, you know, this is one of the first times ever like sports hasn't been that crux for us when there is a disaster. I mean, we almost lean into those sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really strange, even in this, uh, uh, in this environment that we don't have it because, uh, or what I was saying to her was when we do get through this, which we will, mm-hmm. that is the first thing that's going to happen. You know, that's going to force first thing that's going to bring people together, the viewership, the attendance. I mean, it's going to be an emotional uh, experience and, that's what I love about sport and being able to work with brands and people and athletes that, that harness and are around that. I mean, how, what's more exciting than that? You know, completely, completely agree with you, man. There's, there's nothing like live sports in my opinion. It's, it's pretty much the only thing that's ever on my TV. So now that I don't have it, I've been watching like old college football games, just like the ones that we watched in college. We're like, do you remember that time Geno Smith threw like 
for 750 yards. Yeah, let's watch that game. Right, we turn right. it on. We're just like, this is ridiculous. But, you know, it's just what we do now. I mean, Friday and Saturday nights, me and my friends just try and think of a game that we haven't seen in a while. And we just put something on because... I'll take anything. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's what we did anyway. We would go to someone's house. We'd have two TVs. We'd watch two different games at once and we'd go to town. And now it's just kind of this weird spot. But we will get through it. Sports will be back, as you said. And I cannot wait. That first baseball game that first basketball game, all of them. And I'm going to watch them all. And I'm never, ever going to let them leave my sight again, because this is the weirdest period of time. And, and you're right. I mean, there are two days in a calendar year that sports are not on the day right. before and after the MLB all-star game. Sure. That's it, man. And that's it. And one of them, you have the home run derby. So it's not, not even like it's like completely gone. So it's just so weird that, you know, we're already you know, 1918, whatever, how many days we're into it at this point. Um, just trying to figure it out, but I think we're going to get through it and I think everything's going to be okay. And I totally agree with you, the unity um, that sports brings and it will bring again. I'm very, very excited about it. And so as you said, I mean, you know, working in that and working with these athletes and the excitement, there's really nothing like it. So was, was working in sports always kind of a, um, was that kind of always the goal for you, you know, growing up? Absolutely. You know, um, I grew up with a family that every, you know, man at least on both sides of our family seemed to work in banking you know and ever since a small age i can't tell you how boring the conversations would be at the dinner table you know or at least for me right uh-huh, you know, for, yeah. uh, hey, uh, to each his own man to each it, his own. And that's actually i say that all the time to each his own and i was really passionate about being being excited to go to work you know and I think it was probably one of those first days, believe it or not. I mean, now I've never thought about it, but those first days at UNESCO sports when uh, Pepsi was my first client that we worked on and having the MLB playoffs and those games affect what my next day was going to look like to me was amazing. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, not only am I watching the games and I'm caring whether which this team is going to win or not, but literally my day is going to be impacted. If this team is going on to the next round, we need to uh, update our marketing efforts. We need to be changing some communication here. We need to be working with this market, uh, you know, to make sure that they're ready, that mm-hmm. we might be hosting the world series. And that was amazing. You know, I love that is so cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's very few jobs like that, you know, and banking, of course, again, (laughs) teach his own. I was in finance for a couple of years, hated every second of it. I'll never go back. Uh, It's not for me. And for some people it is. And I don't know why. I don't know how. I know you make a lot of money. So, hey, you know, again, that's totally fine. But (laughs) it just was not for me. And I think it's so cool. Again, you know, that that's a great example of how, you know, there's a lot of industries people say, you know, not every day is the same. But in mm. that case, it's not only is every day not the same, it's it's you can watch how your day is going to be affected, as you said, by, you know, watching that Yankees Red Sox games. Like, are we are we hammering New York or are we going to Boston next? Sure. You know, like, exactly. it's so cool. Um, so tell us a little bit about your time with Janesco. You're there for a few years. I mean, over four and a half years, it looks like. What was what was your role, especially in that? I guess that was more the entry level. I have to assume. Like, what is that like? And kind of getting into sports, and uh, also, how did you get that job? Because I'm sure there's a bunch of people out there would like to know how to do that. Oh no, that's. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways. I think I could probably take this conversation. But uh, first, Genesco was an amazing spark uh, place to start my career. In that they are one of those few kind of smaller sports consulting agencies that really throw you into the fire. And I think you gain a lot of experience. I mean, I'm not going to name names, but there's a lot of huge agencies where 
you're going to be answering phones or you're just a cog in this windmill. And, you know, one of my first days there was just getting updated on everything that we were working on. And, you know, whether it was from the MLB side, the NHL or MLS, I mean, there was just always something to do. And it was, I felt really, really fortunate to, to be there and to be able to understand and really have a voice at the table immediately. You know, uh, obviously, you know, it took a little while for probably people, that voice to land on the right ears. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's some people in front of me that are making those calls, but it was terrific to uh, have a seat at the table and really uh, learn quickly. And I think that's, I mean, I'm not saying anything new to maybe some of the aspiring uh, sports professionals out there, but that experience is second to none, right? You know, you learn more in those first few years uh, out of college than you do I mean, and all your, your classes combined, you know, it's really being able to see it all come together and actually make decisions and actually understand where your rights uh, begin and end as a league sponsor versus a team sponsor versus adding a player. And that's when you really start to be able to uh, put the pieces together. That is awesome. And, and it's so true, you know, uh, again, not no, all, all these places do it a little differently. Right. Sure. All these agencies do it a little differently. And again, teach his own. Everything eventually works out. They're all, as of now, knock on wood, still in business. Sure. Um, and with that, you know, they just, you know, I think it's cool that you were able to land at a spot that, as you said, you get that voice. You get to really get thrown into the fire because I have heard of certain places where, yeah, you're literally, it's like you want to work here, you're starting in the mailroom. And, the, and there is, there's a good reason for that, right? Like you have to work, you have to rate, rise, you know, to the top, through the ladder. You have to do the grunt work to understand what you're doing now and, and appreciate essentially. Absolutely. But it's way more fun if you get to start at the table and at least get to do things. Like I could not work in a mailroom. I was yeah. offered a position like that. And I was just like, I like, no, like I cannot do that. I need to do something. It just wasn't going to work. So it's, it's really interesting how you go about that. And, and I guess with that, like what, how did you get the job at Genesco? Was it a lot of networking? I mean, obviously you had to be a smart dude coming out of college. That's kind of prerequisite at that point, but what did you do? That's always something I like to focus on is to make sure people, again, listening, how do you get that job initially in sports? Cause that's half the battle. Absolutely. Um, and my, my goal coming out of school was obviously was to work in sports, but I also don't think at that point I was sold on, I need to be in brand consulting. You know, I just wanted to be in the world a little bit. And I think I realized early on that just getting your foot in the door somewhere would at least allow me to move laterally, gain the experience, you know, find some new opportunities. And so, uh, I mean, in all, uh, what I really did was, when I came out of school, I made a list of literally every single sports team, league, property, media, I mean, anything that in and around sports that I could find in and around my home uh, area in New York. And I told myself, if I go through all summer or is months of just digging through this list and taking interviews and anything I can get, I will slowly expand that circle, right? And then I'll start looking into Boston. I'm gonna start looking into the Midwest and Chicago. I was totally open to that. And I thought maybe that might be the case. And so I, you know, I, again, I don't wanna speak for the young sports professionals coming up, uh, coming up, but I was very aggressive with, I sent a physical uh, resume out and then I gave you about five days and I would wake up at whatever time in the morning, but I knew, the real uh, workers, the guys that I wanted to meet with, the guys and ladies that I wanted to meet with, they were going to be in early. And so what I would do is I would call at 8 a.m. or 8.30 before the secretary is there, before anybody else is going to pick up the phone, 
and I would say, oh, hey, Michael, Chris Bailey sent you my resume last week. And they were always, oh, man, how did this, you know, like, how did I get Love stuck it. on the phone with this kid, you know? And the first thing I would say is, not looking for a job, but would love to come in and meet you. Because I, if you can get through the door and really sit down across from somebody, be prepared, know what you're talking about, know what they're working on, have a real conversation. In my experience, people want to work with people that they like, you know, mm -hmm. and you can't get to know somebody from a resume. It's just not going to happen. And so I would take any informational interview that if you would let me come sit with you, I, I would be there tomorrow, you know? And so I did that for a summer, you know, meeting different people. And usually if there wasn't a job available, they said, you know what? You were terrific. You should call my friend at the NHL. You should there call my go. friend over at the Mets. And they did. And that's really what led me to all these different places. Um, and luckily I did. I had a, a, a few different opportunities to, uh, to, to take at the time, but the, the Ginesco opportunity and working on Pepsi was, was really too, too good to pass up. Mm -hmm. That's awesome, man. And literally anyone, I mean, any, any salesman out there listening to like, <laughs> take the advantage of that. Again, yeah. the gatekeeper will get there normally eight thirty, nine o'clock call it seven thirty. The people you want to talk to get there early, right? Mm -hmm. That we all kind of know that we all know that the people you really want to talk to get there early. The people that move mountains, they're there at, 7 30 7 45 maybe you don't want to call immediately after they get there right but you you know you did a good thing and that, that's pretty smart um doing that at 22 years old and and the, the, you make another really good point too you know make a list of all the opportunities in your area because it's you know if you want to stay close to home that's the best way to do it but there are so many times where people don't do that and then they just were like I'll work for the Charlotte Hornets. Sure. It's like, well, you're from Minnesota. It's like, I don't care. And that's fine. That's another way to rise through the ranks in sports. But they're normally, I mean, we're lucky. We live in the New York, New Jersey area. There's a sure. lot of stuff around here. Um, so I guess maybe people in Minnesota aren't that lucky. But the opportunity to move around, as you said, like that has to be an option. You yeah. can't possibly, you know, if you're, especially, even if you're in Chicago, doesn't mean you're going to land a job in Chicago. Just because right. you're in New York doesn't mean you're going to do all the work and all the effort that you did. You're probably going to go find a ticket sales job somewhere, right? So um, I really like the way you did it though. No, absolutely. I mean, you got to be open to, it's too small of an industry. You know, it's just too small of an industry to limit yourself to, well, you know, I'm going to get a job in sports and live in Boston. I mean, Boston's a great town, but there's not, you know, you might reach mm -hmm. the end of the road or the opportunities just might not be there. And you really need to be, especially at 22, when you don't have a family or you're not exactly. settled down, you know, take advantage of that and get out of the, uh, get out of there and really create some opportunities for yourself. But, uh, you know, I hope, you know, looking back at the young professionals coming up, have a more of a clear focus, like sports consulting or properties or agent or what have you. Uh, because when I was coming up, I just was so in love with sports, but I didn't know what avenue that I wanted to be in. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, people would, you know, you'd go for these informational interviews and they would say, well, do you want to work? Do you want to, do you want to be an Asian or do you want to work for the Nets or the Yankees? Or, and I'd say, well, what do you do? Tell, tell me about that day to day. Nice. You know, it's, it's impossible to know what I want to do for the next 50 years of my life. Yeah. When someone just says, you want to work for the Yankees? Yeah. I mean, that sounds pretty great, you know, but I don't, you, know, you don't know mm -hmm. until you ask those questions and you get in front of those people. And I think by taking those informational interviews, not only was I creating relationships, building avenues, making connections and things like that, but you're also figuring out what, what that world is like out there, you know? Exactly. Uh, yeah. So 
I mean, there's so many different opportunities in sports, right? Like you can be an accountant for the Yankees. You could do brand partnerships for the Yankees. You're still sure. working for the Yankees, right? So like that's that's the one thing I think a lot of people miss on too. It's, you know, there's there's so many different things you can do in the world of sports. It's It's pretty incredible. Pretty much anything you do outside of it, you can do in it for a right. team, for a league, for an agency in some capacity. And I think people really do need to understand that. And so you spent about four and a half years at Genesco. You then transfer or transition to CAA, one of the sure. most notable sports agencies on pretty much planet earth. I'm pretty sure. Um, what was that transition like? And, and again, I, I have to assume there was some networking involved there, but what was it like? And I guess what were some of the things that did you outgrow yourself at Genesco? Was it more of just the opportunity at CAA? Like what were some of the reasons uh, behind the, the change? Uh, there was a number of reasons and, uh, you know, I don't think one of them outweighs, weighs the others, you know, uh, I absolutely felt, uh, that I had outgrown myself over at Genesco, even though what they really did present me with a lot of great opportunities, but you were, I knew Pepsi's business at that time, like the back of my hand and to be able to go to a new environment, that's going to mm-hmm. open up that Pandora's box, uh, so to speak, and allow you to work on a million different brands and, uh, that was really exciting and really enticing to me, but also, uh, the consulting team at CAA literally had just started, you know, I think there was, uh, I mean, under 10 people now, uh, then when, when I joined. And so we were still very all huddled in one room, but we had the backing and the support and the story to tell of CAA sports, which was pretty, uh, phenomenal. Uh, now I know, I mean, CAA consulting has got offices in through at least, uh, three different countries around the world, you know, so they've really grown and it was fun to be a part of that journey and expanding into London and Germany and, you know, taking on new clients along the way. It was, uh, it's, it's hard to mimic that elsewhere, you know? Mm-hmm. And so exactly what, um, tell us as much as you can, I guess, but sure. what exactly was like, what did you consult on? Was it the same kind of thing at Pepsi where it was just now you, now you're just working with a million different brands or yeah. a number of brands? Absolutely. And I'm sure every consulting firm is a little bit different. I mean, in my time at uh, CAA, we were just split up on different accounts, right? You know, building our roster of different brands. So when I was there, it was Time Warner Cable. And so Time Warner Cable, before they had uh, merged into, uh, became Spectrum. And so we were managing there around 100 and I think it was around 115 different sport partnerships across the country. And so that was when we started working with them, it was everything from the Louisiana food festival to all the way up to the, you know, U S open of tennis. Right. And so we came in and just provided that structure and that storytelling of fewer, bigger, better, right. We need to be able to aggregate what we're doing and make sure that everybody around the country that works for the the company is able to tell a very similar story and to know what assets and uh, sports assets they have to tap into, to be able to, you know, sell up, sport Mm -hmm. packaging, cable, internet, you know, phone, all those things. And so uh, Time Warner Cable, uh, Bose was a huge client of mine for a number of years. Bose was an incredible account to work on over there. And Bose was a great client for CAA when I was there. Uh, I mean, obviously we brought the NFL relationship uh, onto Bose and that was a huge piece. Uh, Personally, while I dabbled in the NFL, just because it was such a a big piece of our business, I ran our U.S. ski and snowboard and our Olympic partnerships. So that was a lot of fun to really, uh, you know, obviously the NFL is the 10,000 pound gorilla. Mm -hmm. So believe it or not, we prided ourselves on knowing that we had the least amount of money amongst all the different support partnerships. And we were going to get the most value out of it. Mm -hmm. And 
I feel very, without sharing numbers, I'm positive that our Olympic platforms were very uh uh, impressive based on the dollars that we had to work with, you know? So that's awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, my day job is working with Olympians. So right now it's, it's a, it's a weird spot, uh, obviously with the Olympics being postponed and now sure. it's just a bunch of stuff up in the air and it is what it is, but that is fantastic. And yeah, I mean, USC and snowboard, that's a big one. Uh, and do appreciate your work there. That is fantastic because I am huge advocate for Olympians. They need to get paid anything honestly would be nice uh but more money is definitely uh definitely a great way to look at it so when you're at caa i mean you're again this this agency is gigantic you know as you said the consulting business was super small but you had this the backing of this gigantic gigantic agency how much did you leverage networking just within caa and understanding like the sports agents as well as you know the entertainment side like how much did you try i mean you were there for five plus years or whatever it was um how much did you really try and, especially after those first couple of years, just try and start sending those tentacles out a little bit just to gain that network that, you know, unless you're going to be there your entire career, that that's going to come in handy, man. Yeah. You know what? You mentioned something earlier about uh, needing to work in the, uh, the mailroom, right? Mm-hmm. And come up through the ranks a little bit. And fortunately, coming from Genesco and having the experience that I already had, you know, I was able to kind of be grandfathered in, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But uh, and I think those that are grandfathered in can't imagine coming up through those, those ranks of mm-hmm. the, uh, the mailroom. But I can also say those that did go through the mailroom that are still at CA, there's nobody that's got more connectivity. You know, they know every different department, whether that's TV, literature, film, sports, and there's a lot of value there. You know, mm-hmm. these guys can literally pick up the phone and help you make the call or get the answer or get connected. And I think uh, CAA does a really amazing job of in- empowering their employees to stay connected and stay uh, relevant. And so from at least from the sports side, I mean, the brand consulting business is uh, an interesting one in that your loyalty first and foremost is to our clients, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that is uh, your interest and in the success of your brand is our interest. So there is a world of confusion or I think that happens sometimes once agencies start to take on multiple different sides of the table, so to speak. If you're the sales department and you're selling for a huge property, but I'm the brand consulting group and we're looking to do a partnership, there's a lot of people working at one agency that are on both sides of that table, you know? And so from our side, from the brand consulting, I think we always really wanted to make it known first and foremost to our clients, like, look, your interests are our interests. You know, it, we aren't going to push certain athletes on you just because we represent them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think very early on, I mean, you'd obviously have to talk to the guys over there now, but I'm very confident that they, the agents that we always worked with understood that, you know, recognize that, look, they, the, like I said, you know, the consulting group has to be loyal to their brand and I need to sell my clients just like I would do anybody else. No one's mm-hmm. cutting any deals here. I'm not getting any special treatments, but the benefit was always, Hey, you need a quote on a you know, high level athlete. Let me walk down the hall and I'll tell you in two minutes. It wasn't this week long process mm-hmm. of who's available. What are, do they have the category open? None of that. And that really helps. I think any agency, whether it's CAA or Octagon or IMG, these guys were able to answer questions about availability with talent and things like that uh, quickly. And so from the connectivity side and the brand consulting side, I think that's kind of where we played, if that makes sense. No, 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 hundred percent. I think that that helps. Cause again, working with Olympians, sometimes it's, 
you know, oh, how much is it? Oh, well, we don't have a budget. It's like, okay, well, how much are you looking to spend? <laughs> oh, well, you know, we're not totally sure. It's like, just give me a number. And if you have that opportunity to just get past that part of the conversation, at least it's a, that's too high or right. yeah, that's fine. And right. then you can at least make the conversation go forward because that part can take easily a week, a week and change, especially if you're dealing with somebody that doesn't answer their emails multiple <laughs> times a day. Like it's just sure. one of those things where if you have that opportunity to be a little bit faster with precision, I think that's extremely important. And again, that, that does lead to, uh, you know, the, the, the advantages of working at a giant agency like CAA. And it, it's sure. funny that you do say that because everyone's cutting, you know, it's the same person's right, you know, signing your checks. Right. And it doesn't, yeah. you know, that you guys thankfully kind of, you know, especially instilled in your clients early on, like, Hey, I'm here for you. I don't care if we both get the check signed by the same person that does not matter to me at all. That's um, exactly right. But you yeah. can still take advantage of those opportunities. So you were there for, as I said, five plus years. And I mean, it's a great place to work. I'm sure, you know, I've, I've talked to many people from CAA, they all love it. Sure. Um, all different sides of the business. What was it for you to finally say, you know what, kind of want to go, uh, kind of want to go start something on my own? Yeah, I kind of want to go rogue. No, yeah. <laughs> no. CAA is, it's terrific. You know, it really is. I mean, I don't think I can really say enough great things about uh, the company culture and the connectivity. And I think, you know, you said it perfectly, to each their own, right? You know, everybody's built differently. And I think if you came up through the mailroom there, I mean, it's almost your entire career and your connectivity there is so strong that it's hard, I think, to pull yourself out of that. Mm. I always, uh, personally, I personally, I just always had bigger aspirations for myself in this industry and wanted to pay, uh, really blaze uh, my own trail. And CAA was an amazing kind of jumping off point for me. Uh, I wasn't always sure what, where that trail would take me or where I wanted it to take me. Um, but over those, not just my time at CAA, but really just in the consulting, uh, uh, consulting world overall, I really started to notice just what clients and what brands we were talking to, you know, if we're talking to, and I'm, this is totally hypothetical, but if you're talking to a banking client, if you're talking to bank of America, uh, and for some reason we don't get that business, then we're calling chase. If we don't get chase, then we're calling city. You know, there's only these blue chip brands that every one of all these consulting firms that we're talking about uh, are focused on. And uh, multiple times, you know, tons of times, brands would call us or look for help, guidance, uh, consulting work. And they just couldn't afford really mm -hmm. what we were offering uh, because, you know, and that's no fault to CAA or IMG or any of the big, really prominent agencies because that's how their model is built. You know, they are going after the, the huge fish and God knows that they, those fish need them. Mm -hmm. And, but my point was there seems to be about 80% or 90% of the brands out there that are looking for help or need strategic guidance and really need to be effective and efficient with their dollars because those are the ones, the brands that if they make a mistake, you know, they can't recover from it. Mm -hmm. You know, the bank of America's or the chases of the cities or what have you, uh, they're not, they're not going under tomorrow. Well, you know, this is a tough time. Well, obviously. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh... yeah. But from a sports side, uh, they have the knowledge to be able to do that. And so it really excited me to be able to leave and create an agency with the model from the beginning, which is, Hey, we are going to focus on these challenger brands, specifically 80% of the market. And we are going to help build an agency that's going to be effective and efficiently built efficiently to allow them to spend their dollars the right way. Because 
like I said, for a brand that small or growing, you spend, you do one deal the wrong way. And that's a big, that's a big mistake. Right. Mm -hmm. And so finally, maybe to bring, bring it full circle, really, the, it's that equal playing field that we talked about earlier with sports, right? Everybody should, it brings us all together and it's that equal opportunity for anybody to win. And I'm trying to bring that knowledge and that expertise to these growing brands so that it isn't just the top 10% that can, mm -hmm. you know, execute and use the power and harness the power of sports uh, to their own benefit. I think we can do that with a lot more brands. We just need to be creative. We need to do it effectively and efficiently. And um, I'm trying to design an agency that helps them do that at a cost effective way. I love it. The underdog, yep. man, right? Yeah, the, the underdog, the challenger. That's what we're I mean, we're, it's te technically today's the last day of March as of recording. Cinderella's, man. Everybody loves a good Cinderella story. And, and, and I tell think, those stories, yeah. <laughs> and I think, again, like, as you said, like, most of the market isn't blue chip brands. That's the right. thing. Like, there is so much extra market that you can go after. And, yeah, maybe the dollar amounts are a little bit less. But as you said, you can make way bigger of an impact. You know, a million dollars to Citibanks are rounding error, right? Sure, like it's, sure. You know, that's not, you know, obviously I'm being a little facetious, but the yeah. opportunity with some of these smaller brands or even mid-sized brands that, you know, these gigantic agencies aren't paying attention to, you can have so much more of an impact, right? right? Like it, it, bringing it back to sports, I had a conversation earlier today with someone, their favorite part about what they do is they can have such a huge, huge impact um, on a team, as a coach, as a player, or, you know, what you're doing as a consulting firm, as right. an agency to help these brands in the right direction. And you've had so much experience. You have over 10 years experience, essentially, working in these giant agencies, seeing what Pepsi does right, seeing what U.S. skiing and snowboard does right. And how, and now you can take it to these little brands and just, you know, we'll chop off a couple zeros, I guess, and, you know, at least go in those directions and be a little bit scrappier about it. Absolutely. And I mean, I think it really all just comes down to how you're scaling your business. I think we talked about, you know, the bigger agencies were built to attract or service those bigger, uh, those bigger brands. And from the start, from the start, I'm trying to control, I mean, it's 2020, you know, I don't need a huge, you know, real estate in mm -hmm. the middle of Manhattan. That's just, I just don't, you know, cause I'd rather be in my client's office. I would rather be, you know, on the phone or traveling around. And I think that's a big piece that we're going to preach, which is just controlling our overhead and the glitz and the glamor isn't going to, going to last forever, at least mm -hmm. with not our challenger brands, they're scrappy. And so that's what we're trying to try to bring to the fold. And you kind of want to for lack of a better term, look like them, right? Sure. Yeah. That's you fair. know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, yeah. you don't want to, you don't want to show up. Like, obviously you want to dress nice, but you, you know, if you're going into a, uh, you, you obviously do your research beforehand. You're not dressing up in a tuxedo to go meet with, you know, some of these smaller brands who are a little bit more free flowing um, for lack of a better term. So kind of looking like them also helps them create that emotional connection and be like, you know what? I actually think Chris and Winstate can help. You know, it's not like, I'm throwing money at, you know, Don Draper on Madison Avenue and just like kind of crossing my fingers, sure. not really knowing what the hell they're doing. Right. Absolutely. No, there's a lot of truth to that. I love it. Good stuff, man. So I guess, um, so how long have you been, um, operating Wait, Wednesday? I get. Yeah, no, you know, I think I left CAA probably around two years, two years ago. I mean, actually mm -hmm. I think it was in April, so we might be coming up on exactly two years. So it really, I mean, it feels like it was two months ago, but yeah, I mean, it's been a little while now. And so we've been at Wynn State for almost two years, but as anybody that I'll ask, you can imagine when you are the, 
accounting department, legal department, IT department. Uh, it's tough to get those balls rolling initially. Mm-hmm. So I took a, took a few mon- months before we actually started going out pitching business and talking to clients and things like that. Yeah. Well, happy, happy birthday. Um, yeah. <laughs> enjoy it, man. Celebrate. You know, you're not doing too much. I can promise you that at least going out wise. Uh, so right. have, have, have an athletic beer. Um, you deserve it, man. Uh, <laughs> but definitely. So I guess what exactly, as you said, like for the company, you do everything. Well, for your clients, uh, what have you been able to take from Genesco? What have you been able to take from CAA that you can directly apply to some of these brands that you're working with and saying, we've seen this work. Just Mm. listen to me. Do this. Right, right. And I mean, it's going to be different for everybody. Of course. course. Yeah. You know, you want to be, you want to build a strategy and a, uh, a message that's obviously going to resonate for every brand and every brand's got a different ethos. Uh, But the one thing probably the one thing that resonates across everything is your experience in the industry of uh, knowledge of building something from scratch. So the example I always try to give with brands uh, that I'm talking to for the first time, which is it's so important to be talking to an agency or somebody that knows their way around the sports landscape, because those waters, believe it or not, uh, or not, are difficult to navigate. Uh, you know, if you're looking to do a sexy campaign with, you know, Aaron Judge, just using another New York example, they're thinking, great, we're going to set aside all these dollars, we're going to get Aaron Judge, and then we go to the photo shoot, and we can't put him in a Yankees uniform? What do you mean? Mm -hmm. Because we don't have a deal with the Yankees, which is a very, very simplistic example, obviously. But to have us in the room early on, as we think through our budgets, our creative, the storytelling, is Aaron Judge's face recognizable enough by itself without a Yankees logo to carry this campaign by, you know? And those are the type of things that I think we bring to the fold that they're not thinking about before they go out and they shoot those things. Uh, And it's also pricing, comparables, connectivity amongst the Mm -hmm. industry. Sometimes I tell, um, you know, new brands that I'm talking to, they're like, you know, well, why can't I do this? You know, I I think I'm a pretty creative guy. I think we can come up with a campaign. And I say, I absolutely think you could probably do what I'm describing. (laughs) But I, do you know what the truth is? It's going to take you three years. It's going to take me three, three weeks. So Mm -hmm. how important is money to you? Because I can do it faster and more efficiently. And where you're going to be in three years, I can be there in three weeks. You know, you want answers to this. We want comparables. You're thinking about doing a deal with you as ski and snowboard. I'm, and I'm going to tell you, this is what we can get out of it now. This is how much it's going to cost. This is when we need to start shooting for the Olympics because we need to prepare a year out. You know, and it's those thoughts and that experience that's just, it's invaluable when you're putting a piece, pieces of the puzzle together, right? Exactly. It's like a, like, just for lack of a better term, it's a doctor, right? You don't pay a doctor because, I mean, they they went through school. That's why you have to pay them so much money is because they know all of this stuff, sure, right? Sure, like yeah. you can probably give yourself stitches, right? If you try it hard enough, you're going to be, they're going to be terrible. Yeah. Like it's probably not going to turn out that well. You'll probably end up fine. It's probably going to hurt. Yeah. But like the doctor went to school. You're not just paying him for the stitches. You're paying them for everything that they know and they understand. And then as you said, also the connectivity. I don't think my doctor example is very good. I'll have to come up with something else. But the, the connectivity part of it, as you said, just being able to network and understand, you know, as weird as it is, it's a very small industry. Oh, right. Like I run into people. I get connected to people out in California, like two times, like the same person two times in the same week from two completely different people. And they've never met each other, right? Oh, like it's, yeah. it's just crazy, like how some of that stuff works. And you know, the, the sphere 
as big as you think it is, it's, it's relatively small, which is pretty crazy. So you can get it around pretty quickly um, in, in, a, in a place like sports. So absolutely. I know um, one of the brands that you, you uh, wanted me to highlight. And again, I, I want to understand again a little Please. bit more about a, what you're doing and why <laughs> the heck you're doing it. I know you're working with what is it? Athletic brewing, correct? Correct. Correct. So this yeah. is a non-alcoholic beer. And yep. I said, as a joke before we got on, I was like, I'm not going to ask this cause I don't want to be mean, but like, why would anyone drink non-alcoholic beer? I only drink beer for the alcohol personally. Sure. So I'm not like everybody, but so how, how first, like walk me through the process. Like, how do you find a brand like this? How do you look at the brand and say, okay, these are the things I think that make sense. And then how do you make someone like me and maybe not make, but convince someone like me to at least just try it. Sure. Sure. Uh, well, to start, I mean, I'm out there, uh, obviously hunting and keeping my eyes open all the time for these challenger brands that I think makes, makes sense or could make sense. And athletic brewing luckily is, uh, not too far or their brewery is not too far from where I grew up in, in Connecticut. So it was already going to be on my radar and I just had noticed it, but loved, loved, uh, the angle that they were taking. You know, I think anybody either in our industry or really just in business you shouldn't, we shouldn't be so dismissive of someone that's coming at something completely the other way, mm -hmm. right? It's either going to blow this category up or it's going to be gone really quickly. And I think over the last two years, uh, the founders have really proved that this isn't a fad. It's not going anywhere and it's really growing re uh, really fast because people have never had it before. There's never been an opportunity. Uh, so I mean, I could, I could go off on non-alcoholic beer. So to start athletic brewing company is, uh, a client of ours. That's just a really an amazing, uh, category to be a part of right now. And these guys set out at this point, probably in 2017, they really started uh, building, building the company, but had been set out to brew a non-alcoholic beer correctly. So the ones that we're all thinking about that you're thinking about are, uh, you know, O'Doul's O'Doul's or St. Pauli's or Beck's. And, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to paint with a wide brush, but they're not typically not loved by the community. And because of that is, you know, the flavor, right? The flavor is just, isn't good. And they burn the alcohol out. Uh, you know, that's a very efficient and effective way, but it also kills the flavor. So mm -hmm. these guys actually set out to brew a beer and when they finish brewing it, it finishes below 0.5% alcohol. So federally it's a non-alcoholic beer, but it keeps that flavor. So they have won awards against full alcohol beers in comparison, just as a beer, forget the non-alcoholic beers. They're mm. just brewing a better beer. So if I told you, Hey, try this. It just tastes better than that. You know, immediately you're going to be a little bit more interested, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like I like things that taste good versus things that don't. That is and true. the, the most exciting part about it is, you know, if you're starting any brand or you're building any, any cup, uh, any company, you're going to come up with this elaborate, uh, marketing campaign and, and we will get there. And we've really started to put a lot of pieces together, but to date, it really has been much more about, hey, we have an amazing product and we know because we've seen it time and time again, the reactions after people try it. So it's about connecting the right people to the beer in the right environments. Um, and so we're growing that beer authentically through those, the right communities, you know, to your point, you know, 
I don't think an NA beer is going to fit or athletic might fit in some of the settings that you were describing. It's Saturday night. I'm going over to a buddy's place. We've got multiple screens going. You're looking mm-hmm. for a little bit of a buzz with your beer. But tonight, you got to work tomorrow. You'd like a beer with dinner. Sunday, I don't want the Sunday scaries. There's just the, the point of it all is there's a time and a place where an athletic, a non-alcoholic beer would make sense, but currently can't because nothing tastes good. You know, mm-hmm. there is that option hasn't been there. And slowly when people try it, they say, huh, I mean, this is really good. I mean, maybe I would drink this with dinner instead of a water. Or maybe I would have this on a Sunday if I have to drive home. Like the opportunities start to to percolate a little bit. And believe me, the first thing that these guys would tell you is they love beer. They have no problem with an alcoholic beer. There's just a time and a place for it. And they're just trying to fill those gaps of all those other things where it would make sense to uh, have a great tasting beer, but not the alcohol. That's all. and that makes sense. And that, yeah. that 100% makes sense. And I appreciate you going over that. Um, and I, again, I was poking a little bit of fun before, but sure, it's, sure. it's so true, right? Like, I don't really want to drink a beer or two on a Wednesday night. Right. You know, it's just one of those things. But I wouldn't, if it, especially, you know, as the way you describe it again, like Odul's sucks. Uh, <laughs> shout out Odul's if they want to sponsor the podcast, but I'm sorry. They're, they're, it just doesn't taste good, right? So if there's an opportunity for something to actually taste good, and it can kind of remind me too of like, okay, cool. This is definitely a beer. Sure. Um, but then yeah, not like not going to feel it at all the next day because the, the part you feel is you know, the alcohol leaving Absolutely. your body. Um, that definitely makes sense. And I think that's pretty cool. And, and it's, uh, it's pretty interesting, uh, the story around it. Yeah, no one, you just haven't had that opportunity. So if, on Wednesday night, just like you said, if you're only having one beer and I gave you two options, one that doesn't have alcohol and tastes better than this one, and, you know, there's just it, logically that's the way you would go. Mm-hmm. And we as a society just haven't had options like that before. And it's really fun to see people try it when we go out there. I mean, I call it the, uh, you know, the health, head tilt, you know, they try it and then they give you the, there's no alcohol in that, <laughs> you know, and then they call over there, they're John, come over here, try this beer. Like you're never going to believe this. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's really an amazing, um, uh, it's an amazing ride we've been on with these guys. Their breweries up in Stratford, Connecticut, but they literally uh, just within the last month closed on a brand new facility down in San Diego. We're going to be brewing about 10 times the amount of beer out of that place. So, uh, you know, we're coast to coast now. And I probably should have mentioned this is the the biggest part of it is it's a non-alcoholic beer. So we ship for free anywhere in the country off of our website. So while a traditional beer or a company trying to grow that brand, you've got to go to bars and restaurants. These guys have an outlet where we can ship beer straight to your door. So we've got customers all over the country, not just in those markets that we have the breweries mm-hmm. in, which is really exciting. Yeah, that is awesome. And again, because, because of how it works and makes sense. Yeah. I mean, there's no point in, in my opinion, there's like zero point in drinking one beer. It's not right. going to do anything, right? Like, it's you're not going to get really any kind of buzz. Uh, it's really not going to do too much, in my opinion. I'm sure other people would disagree, but the fact again that you could drink something that's enjoyable reminds you of that thing that you kind of wanted. But again, yeah. there is literally zero ramifications from it. That Tuesday night or that Wednesday night would probably make it feel kind of nice, exactly. And and one thing I do do want to point out, and I really like how you do it. You say we a lot, which I think is really important um, because obviously, again, you're working for the company, you're working with the company, but you clearly take a very strong position in what you do and how you do it. We are doing this. We just closed down a, you know, 
And I, I really appreciate that because it really shows, I mean, you've also been with them for a little while now, but it really shows how invested in their company successes because a, the more successful they are, the longer they're going to keep you around. Sure. And B, mm-hmm. it's also nice to be a part of something because this case study is going to be pretty awesome one day. Yeah, no, absolutely. I am, uh, and I should probably, um, you know, censor myself better than I am. Meaning I think if they were here, I think they would call it a we as well, but I like to be, uh, you know, it's tough on a podcast, but I like to be as humble as possible for them. You know, mm-hmm. I, I am, I'm here to service their needs and their marketing. And I, I like to play the background role. And I think that's, and this is a whole separate conversation, but if you're looking to get into the sports consulting world, uh, get ready to humble yourself a little bit, you know, and check your ego at the door and wear multiple hats. And that's the, how I, how I approach it with those guys. You know, I want them to be the, the league dog in the face, but I am really pleased and love uh, helping build that, this story and this athletic, uh, you know, uprisal. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. think it's awesome. Again, I think it's, it's fantastic. And, and it's a very easy transition into, you know, athletes, you know, a lot of them, you worked at a place that had a huge agency, like, you know, there's, there's so many different avenues that they can go down, um, which I'm sure you're much, much smarter at this than I, and uh, you already have all those written down on a whiteboard, figuring it out. And you're going to, sure. you guys are going to hammer the pavement one of these days. And so what are, um, do you, do you want to share any of the other brands that you're, you're currently working with or, or like looking to kind of, again, do, do a lot of the same thing where work with them for a significant period of time and really help them raise their, their clout, their, their awareness, amplify what they're doing? Yeah. I mean, I've been working with a few different, different brands, but as far as highlighting uh, one specifically, I mean, to be totally transparent, I mean, I've probably been operating Wednesday for a year and a half to two years. And athletic dominates, you know, my time. Mm-hmm. They really, cool. they really do. And, and again, this might be a different, more strategy, uh, strategy related comment. But when I had set out to start Winstate, you know, my thought was, Hey, I'm going to get two or three clients, which I did quickly, which, you know, but I'm going to bring, build those up. I'm going to bring some people on to run those and be a more strategy, strategy related and athletic just took off, you know, and my focus immediately went from thinking, oh, let's build Winstate, let's do this for Winstate, all of two. I need to just focus on athletic. You know, this is, they, they're a rocket ship and they're so much fun to be a part of that my plans changed. And I think that's just a, a lesson for any entrepreneur, which is, hey, get ready to change your plans because mm-hmm. follow where the road is leading you. And, uh, and that's where it's taken me, which is athletic, non-alcoholic beers is where I'm going. You know, which I didn't think that was the plan, you know? I was going to say, I'm sure if someone asked the the day you left CAA, well, uh, you know, Chris, tell me, do you think your first big client that's going to become just this gigantic company is a non-alcoholic beer? You're probably going to say no. At least that's my assumption. But uh, a lot of people were returning my calls uh, when I started reaching out about different properties, sponsorships. They said, they said exactly why in the world would we want to us non-alcoholic beer sponsoring us? And I promise you those people are starting to call us back or they're calling us to let us know that they, the category is available. They're working on this and it's, uh, it's bittersweet, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah. Hey, uh, you're the one taking the calls now, it sounds like, which is kind of cool. So yeah. um, good stuff, man. Only a couple more questions. Really sure. do appreciate your time. What, um, you know, I don't like to focus too, too much on everything that's going on. Obviously, I want this to be very evergreen and I want people to understand you and your story, but we kind of have to touch upon it all the time with everything that's kind of going on with sports sure, not sure. happening. Like, again, as we said before, there's right. only a couple of days in the calendar that it doesn't happen. And now we've had more 
in this year alone than we have in like the last like almost 10 years combined, which is crazy to me. But what are you doing with, I guess we'll call this downtime to, you know, A, help what athletics doing, B, make sure Wednesday is still operating properly. And, and I guess C, to just kind of just stay afloat at least both sides of this to make sure, again, we're just at least coming out the other side because it's unfortunate, but there's going to be so many businesses. If this thing goes on for two, two months, there's going to be so many businesses that are going to have to close up shop. It sucks. Uh, it's a really scary time. You know, I've got a lot of uh, good friends and people that have reached out to me to just update me that, you know, there, there's talks of layoffs or there's, you know, furlough or there's, you know, just a lot of different changes going on. And, uh, I mean, just like everybody, I'm rooting for this thing to turn around Im- immediately. Uh, cause it is, it's really scary. Not just, you know, for everybody involved with the industry and sports as a whole, uh, on our side specifically, I would really characterize us as super lucky. You know, I, Athletic Brewing is an amazing uh, client. And like I said, one of the f- only few or only breweries in the country that is shipping still, right? You know, we're e-commerce based. We're not restaurants. Well, we are in restaurants and bars, but that's just not everything that they have. And so to mm-hmm. be able to ship directly to your door, I mean, it's a competitive advantage that just the other brands just don't have that ability. Uh, so we are very active, right? And we're very busy with that. Uh, but on the sports side, it's all about being strategic and planning for when we do come out of this, because we've got, I mean, our biggest uh, marketing tactic or competitive advantage outside of the uh, you know, online shipping, we, people love the beer. And mm-hmm. getting cans in hand at the, in the right locations in the right times really goes a lot. So our, we've got a lot invested in events-based business, right? And so we're trying to be strategic to, hey, these are being postponed or these are being rescheduled. How, do we, how can we hit the ground running with our talent, the properties, and create something that's going to be engaging as soon as we get out of this? So, um, you know, has things slowed down? Uh, honestly, no, just because we're not uh, putting on events, right? Mm-hmm. We're not in the event space business, but it's very, uh, it's restructuring, it's being prepared, it's uh, being proactive in a time where we might have a little bit more downtime than we would. And uh, that's where we're focusing. Obviously, if this continues for months and months and months, I think everybody's going to have mm-hmm. uh, is- issues, ourselves included. But um, it has more to do with us about just restructuring uh, our plans and planning for the future with our with our talent. And like I said in the beginning, Win State was built to be not top heavy, right? You know, we put our focus on our clients and mm-hmm. we control our overhead. I mean, that design was to be is so that we're attractive to uh, challenger brands, but God forbid, it, you know, it's working to our advantage in uh, an environment like this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, 100%, man. I mean, as I said, I'm in my basement right now. So my overhead is is the rent that I use to live. Right. <laughs> so it's not, not really at, uh, no, no, additional, um, no additional opportunities there, especially kind of, you know, that's the crazy thing. You think of all these places, they're essentially empty for like mm. two months. You're paying rent for two months where no one's even allowed in there, which is just crazy, crazy to me. So, but it is what it is, man. And, and we keep on rocking. So uh, you said before, which I thought was really interesting, obviously, you know, you had a plan for this, you, you came out swinging, then you got a really awesome client. You're like, all right, all my plans are going to change. If you see, like looking at Winstate, like other outside of the athletic brewing side, what, what is like that pie in the sky? What is like the perfect iteration of your company? Or at least right now, 
what does that look like? No, that's a really great question. And just like any entrepreneur, uh, my aspirations are to take over the world, right? Of this course. Is gonna, Let's it's do gonna it, be, man. Yeah, it's going to be huge. Uh, but what I really do want to do or the, the ethos for WinState is taking some of those brand or some, taking some of those uh, brand qualities or personality traits that I think I mentioned about you know, checking your ego at the door, being humble, and really actually instilling that in an agency. You know, I, I would really love for in 10 years, the sports agency model not to have that same stigma that it does, you know, whether it's, you know, sleazy guys in suits making deals over athletes and tables and, you know, getting, getting, having too many drinks. Like, I really am excited to build an agency that isn't uh, made up of three letters. You know, Win State's going <laughs> to stand for more. Uh, and I think the first step is to build up our consulting business and just show that there really is a world where, hey, as long as we're creating our business, really our company, correctly managing our overhead and our, our on our clients, we're going to be able to service the 80% of business or brands out there that want to be in the sports space, but can't afford those big giant clients. And, that, and I think there is a world where we can coexist really easily. Um, and so that's what I want to do first is really build up that and tell that story of our consulting and our challenger brands and help those, all those brands reach their potential through sport. And then from there, uh, expand the business into other lines of, uh, you know, revenue mm -hmm. that quite mm -hmm. frankly we need, you know? Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. We all got to make money and, uh, you're, you're clearly doing the right thing. It's, it's awesome. I, I love it. And also, uh, Win State sports consulting WSC sounds pretty cool. I don't know. I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> just going to throw it out there. But Chris, this was awesome, man. Sincerely appreciate your time today. You were fantastic. Chris Bailey, president of Win State sports consulting. I'm not going to say those three letters again. Really appreciate your time today, man. <laughs> Thanks again, Michael. Had a lot of fun. Thank you all so much for checking out this episode with Chris Bailey. As I said, super cool dude, very measured, uh, has a lot of great information. He was so much fun to get to talk to and ask questions about and to, and it was it was really cool. And I guess maybe I will try athletic brewing, non-alcoholic beer. We'll see. Maybe if he sends me some, we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. But please make sure to follow Chris and Athletic Brewing on all their socials. Everything is in the show notes. Please make sure to give us a five-star review on Amazon, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Twitter, um, I don't Can you review on Instagram? I'm not totally sure. But if you can, that would be super, super grateful too. We're always looking for more reviews because that helps with the algorithm or something. Somebody told me that once. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for hanging out. Time's the only thing we don't get more of. So I appreciate you giving me some of yours and I hope you make it a wonderful day.